Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. At this time last year, we were facing the the start of COVID-19, and we were able to send two emergency field hospitals to Cremona, Italy, and to Central Park, New York City. And so, as we look back, we wanted to replay one of our episodes where we got to talk to medical staff serving in these field hospitals. And at that time, you know, the headlines were swirling with COVID. Nobody knew exactly what this disease would bring and what it would look like and what it would do to our lives globally. Um, and now that we've been at this for a year and people are still tired and weary, again, we just thought it would be good to look back. And most of these medical teams were relying on their experience um, from fighting Ebola in 2014. And not many people knew much about infectious diseases. And so Samaritan's Purse was able to use what they had learned for the gospel. And it, God provided a huge platform. And, and in, the, in the future, we're going to bring you an episode talking with some of these um, nurses and staff on what they've learned in this past year and how these deployments changed them and changed their faith and grew them. So we wanted to replay an episode and allow you to hear the hearts of the staff that were serving in Jesus' name. Hello. Hey, Ken, it's Christy Graham. So Ken, can you give us, uh, the emergency field hospital has now been in operation in New York City for a week. Can you give us a, a rundown of what the week's been like of ministry there? It has been very intense, and every day seems like a month. Hmm. So when you just said that it's been in operation for a week, um, it actually feels like it's been in operation for a year. Wow. But um, today we have 55 patients. Nine of them are uh, in the intensive care unit. Uh, we're looking at and, and, and discussing and planning on expanding uh, our support capabilities to our partner Mount Sinai Hospital. So can you talk to me about your partnership with Mount Sinai Hospital? Yeah, uh, so we're here in partnership with uh, Mount Sinai Hospital. We are right across the street from them, literally right across the street on Fifth Avenue. Um, They're fantastic to work with. And, you know, our hospital was designed and built and organized uh, to deploy in the third world in times of crisis. We're not used to having a hospital that has truckloads of oxygen pull up mm-hmm. or that has, uh, you know, its own research laboratories and its own uh, medical trial programs going. So it is, um, I'm glad that we can offer uh, help to the people of New York during this time. We're here helping in Jesus' name. Mount Sinai has been very respectful of that. And, um, uh, they just really have been great to work with, uh, quite honestly. And, and they're an encouragement. Their staff come over and mix with our staff. Uh, it, it, and it's really, you know, we're learning from them, but they're also learning from us. I think a lot of the things that we picked up knowledge about in, during Ebola, both in West Africa and in Congo, has given us uh, very strong protocols and infection protection and control. And one of the therapies in particular that... Uh, we learned how to use and administer in Congo is one of the trial therapies that are being uh, used for COVID. And our staff, some of our staff, not all of them, but some of our staff are already quite familiar with it. So um, I think that's helpful for them. So it, it, it's been a very good relationship. And you know, Christy, in my work, a lot of what I do is about humanitarian access. 
getting into places and establishing those initial relationships to do things. And uh, here, having a relationship with a health care provider like Mount Sinai has really opened those doors. When I asked Shelly about the unique opportunity to partner with another hospital, she was thrilled to talk about the unity that has been beneficial for both their staff and ours. How is the partnership with Mount Sinai and, and the surrounding area? It is absolutely fabulous. Um, the physicians uh, at Mount Sinai come over and they check on us every day. The director of the ICUs at Mount Sinai, and she has several ICU units that she takes time to come over and check on us every day and make sure that we have the equipment that we need and um, that qu- answers questions, clinical questions about the patients that she has that she's sending us. It's a wonderful, wonderful relationship. The president of the hospital was even here, um, I think, day before yesterday. So um, the public have all been wonderful. They have stepped in when we were putting the tents up. People that were walking along Fifth Avenue by Central Park saw what we were doing and had heard about us and walked right up and said, how can I help? So we had volunteers off the street helping us put up shelving for the wards and um, put tents up and it was just absolutely amazing. And all they could do was just say, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. So I think we've been very warmly welcomed here in New York City. And I think Mount Sinai is actually um, wants the very best for us and wants to help us in every way possible so we can help them. The Samaritan's Purse Emergency Field Hospital in New York City has been accepting patients since April 1st. It's the first time the hospital has been deployed in the U.S., much less a city with one of the most premier healthcare systems in the world. So Shelly, you've served all over the world. What is it like setting up emergency field hospital in America and be serving your fellow Americans? It's actually really surreal and kind of crazy to be setting up here because you never expect for the disaster to be within the United States. Um, We don't have usually the challenges here with our healthcare system that they do in other countries. And we're usually able here in the United States to absorb the, the effects of the disaster throughout our own capabilities. But this has just really exceeded what our healthcare system can stand right here in New York City and hence the field hospital. So it's been really interesting getting it set up here. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And I'm sure it brings many more complications than you're used to um, and, and a lot more stress. Um, so can you talk to me about what the atmosphere is like there at the emergency field hospital? Yeah, so here we're excited, a little bit anxious just because we are getting our first patient. I know um, we just admitted our first patient to the ICU and we're expecting another one here pretty soon. So we just want to give the best care possible So we're all kind of honestly rushing around trying to make sure our supplies are in place and that everything is working properly. The patients are coming in quite steadily. So um, that makes it, you know, one patient after the next, after the next, and we just need to be on top of them. Um, A lot of the patients that are here have said that they're so thankful for um, a place to go and that they have felt very welcome here and a little, you know, honestly, we're spoiling them a little bit <laughs> because we have we have really good nurses that want to um, love on our patients. I wondered what the patients felt like because are, are they coming, are they not able to go to Mount Sinai and so they're sent to you or, or what, how, what patients are referred to the emergency field hospital? 
We are receiving actually patients through that have been uh, screened through the emergency room right now, and they are being sent into our step down ward. They have not been in um, inpatients at Mount Sinai yet at this point, so we're just getting a lot of overflow from their emergency room. And then the patient that we have in the ICU is a patient that was in our step-down unit and actually was declining and needed a higher level of care. So we moved him over to the unit. Okay. And so what is it like to treat people with COVID-19? You know, I've treated Ebola in the past, and this feels um, not quite as um, jarring, but it is still, you know, we are in full PPE we understand the gravity of this um, virus and what it can do and how it's making people sick. And honestly, the more patients that we see, the more um, heavy it mm-hmm. feels because, you know, you hear that if you're, you're young and healthy, you can stay home and, and, you know, work it out at home. But in this situation, the patients that we see have seen are, they are not, you know, elderly patients. They are middle-aged and sometimes younger, and they're sick, and they were previously healthy. And so it makes you think, wow, this could be me. You know, I need to be really, really careful. Um, So just we have our eyes wide open, but it's definitely, I don't want to call it alarming, but it's a jolt in reality. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. And and like you said, when you've responded before, you've left a safe place to go, you know, and serve. But here, all of you are leaving, you know, friends and family that, you know, we can, like you said, it can hit anybody, anywhere. Um, and like you said, we're not, no one's immune to it. As the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak in the U.S., New York City has been attacked physically and spiritually but our priority has remained the same, helping in Jesus' name. You mentioned, you know, uh, the weeks felt like a year. You know, the days are long there um, and tiring. Can you talk to me about the morale of the hospital and the staff? How, how, how are they doing? <clears throat> they are uh, holding up very well. Everyone is tired. Um, they're working hard. The medical staff work 12-hour shifts. They're 12 hours on and 12 hours off. They... Uh, uh, a lot of the medical staff have about a three-block walk when they get off work, and some of them have about a, a one-mile uh, shuttle ride to get to uh, where their room is. Uh, we have no shortage of food here. <laughs> That's the, good uh, the, Yeah, the New York people are uh, feeding us. They're caring for us well. We've got a, uh, a pizza truck called... Uh, Neapolitan Express Pizza. Hmm. And that man makes 500 pizzas a day and gives them out to healthcare workers at Samaritan's First in Mount Sinai. Can you talk to me, Ken, about what it's like to have two emergency field hospitals set up simultaneously? We have New York City and Italy. What has that been like, having two at the same time? Uh, This is the first time that Samaritan's First has ran uh, two emergency field hospitals simultaneously. Mm -hmm. But it's even more than that. One of them is in Italy, Mm -hmm. and the other one's in the United States. Both of them are in first world countries. Mm -hmm. And they're both fighting infectious disease. I think that it is giving us a global platform of respect and recognition that the Lord will use in ways that we can't imagine 
And we'll just have to see how God's going to use that and what the future will bring. It's complicated running it. <clears throat> we have, uh, you know, with the international air travel, it's shut down, getting people back and forth, and we have all kinds of challenges with that. But um, we're working our way through it. We have a great team of people in both countries. Mm-hmm. Just a great team of people, dedicated people. And so how many disaster response specialists do you have at both emergency field hospitals? So in Italy, we have about uh, 65 people. Mm-hmm. And in New York right now, we probably have about 90 people here. And there's more coming into New York to expand our capabilities over at Mount Sinai. Wow. That is a lot of people and a lot, you know, most disasters that you've responded to, people have left safety to go to a crisis, but now people are leaving a crisis to go to a crisis. So what has that been like for your staff and how have you guys, I guess, formed a probably a closer relationship, you know, responding in a crisis like this where they're worried about their family members back home? Yeah, you know, this is a, it's a different kind of crisis because everybody that comes to it there's, they're putting themselves in harm's way. Mm-hmm. And because it's an infectious disease, because the exact modality of transmission is unknown, and even many of the consequences of the disease are yet to be found out, it makes people anxious. And, you know, there's fear all over the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I respect and admire all of those that have come here to work uh, in New York City during this time and in Cremona, Italy during this time and to help in Jesus' name. They're dedicated to our mission and dedicated to serving and helping in Jesus' name. And I, I just, I can't say enough about that. We are grateful to those working to combat coronavirus in New York, Italy, and all around the world. When I talked with Shelly, her heart was back home and with her friends serving overseas in Italy. I'm in the back of my mind thinking about my family too. Mm -hmm. And it's like this disaster isn't just here. It's something the entire world is sharing right now, which I think is really historical because outside of just, you know, breathing every human breathes, each country has its own um, unique culture. But Right now, the one thing that every culture is sharing is this virus. And we can understand, like speaking with our um, coworkers in Italy, what they're seeing because we're seeing it here now too. Well, and as you mentioned that, we have never had two field hospitals operating at the same time, correct? Samaritan's Purse? That's correct. This is the very first time. So what is that like? I'm sure you have many friends serving in Italy. (laughs) I do. I thought I was going to be going to Italy actually before I came here to New York City. But I do. I I have lots of friends that are in Italy and it's been a wonderful partnership even with them. We've actually been able to get on Skype calls with our Italy team to see what they are doing with their patients, what they're seeing and even how it's different than what we're seeing here. So they've given us a lot of guidelines. to work from and a lot of encouragement and I'm sure they're praying for us too, but yeah, so we know them, we're close to them and we're in contact with them. Wow. Yeah. I feel like there's so much going on, but we appreciate you all. And, you know, we always appreciate our healthcare, but I think, you know, more than ever, because like I said, you have left, you know, your friends and family 
um, to serve in a fight that everyone's facing. And Shelly, as you're sharing that, it just gives me chills because you're right. It is an equalizer and it is, it's historical and it is just a time where we're just stopping and we're realizing our frailty as humans, you know, and, and prayerfully this, this turns exactly. our nation and turns our globe to the Lord. Each patient is loved on and it just really comes out in our touch. You know, nurses have a special touch. It's very soft, but very confident at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus is in our hands. And I know you hear that all the time when we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I love that. And yeah, normally you're, sometimes you're in countries where you don't speak the same language and there is a barrier, you need a translator, but now, you know, you can speak to all these patients um, freely and openly. And because they can't have family and loved ones with them, you are really their only friend right now. So it gives you an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, they're very isolated as if they weren't isolated enough when they were you know, at home mm-hmm. sick and then they decline and don't have anybody to share that with. And then they come here and we're right there at their bedside with them. And they're able, actually we have iPads um, available to the patients so that they can Skype with their family members, which really helps encourage them and keep them connected. But we're here with that touch, you know, that loving touch as well at their bedside, just constantly offering them, you know, snacks and drinks and you know, touching them to help them heal as well. That's right. This is a battle every single one of us is facing in our own way. Whether you're at home, working in your local hospital, or fighting the virus directly, we all need prayer. God is our sustainer, our hope, even in these troubling times. I'd like to close by letting you hear the specific prayer requests from both Shelly and Ken on the ground in Central Park, New York. And as we're talking about this, you know, I love that you're able to, you're on the ground. And so you know what it's like. We are praying here back home, but how can we pray specifically for your patients? Just long shield, just like the other ones. Will you run this one? Yeah. That's a great question. You know, honestly, every single one of them that we have is struggling to breathe. So that's, if you've ever experienced a time when you had difficulty breathing, it's scary. It's very alarming. They can, you know, breathe and rest and relax while they're here. And then how can we be praying for your staff? And those of you that are being the hands and feet, how can we pray for you all? That's an easy one. (laughs) Um, You can pray for our stamina. The Lord has been good, so good so far to give us strength through this time. I mean, everybody has been all hands on deck since the time we hit the ground. And now we're transitioning to taking care of patients, which means 12-hour shifts in full PPE with a little opportunity to to get out of here. Um, And the guys that are working construction are still trying to get things put up. So strength, which, you know, God is there and he is providing, but continue to pray for strength for us, for unity in the body so we can all, during these stressful times, uh, rely on one another. Well, I think, from a prayer perspective, I'm just praying, I would ask others to pray uh, for God's mercy, really, on the people of the earth, mm. because this is truly a plague. And, um, uh, it, it, you know, as we're talking right now, in New York City, there is optimism and hope that they have passed the apex, that's the new word. Here in the epicenter, that was the new word two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and 
Uh, it just probably the people, I think for the people in New York City and in other areas as well, that they don't come out and start letting their guard down mm-hmm. about getting around other people or maintaining hygiene and washing their hands, don't put their hands in their face and things like that. There could be a secondary spike in the disease. But uh, so there's, you know, praying for the victims, and we're all the victims of this. For our staff in particular, pray that uh, for their health, that God would protect them. Uh, Pray that he would give us strength. Everybody is tired. Uh, The days are long, and the night seems short. And then there's another long day, and I can tell that it's wearing on uh, team members. And then we need, um, you know, pray that the Lord would send forward more Christian medical workers that want to serve with us, and mm-hmm. uh, and and that He will keep our ranks full, that we can do all that we can uh, during this time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed looking back and being able to see all that God's done in this past year. And in that episode, I closed with Isaiah 40, 31, but I want to read 28 through 31 today. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. And so we wanted to replay this episode because I know many of us, many of us are weary. You know, I think our medical staff um, and just our nation um, and the globe are weary from a year of this pandemic. And so we wanted to look back at what God has done. Um, And in this past year, Samaritan's Purse has responded to COVID-19 in eight large responses. Over 900 patients have been treated, many hearing the gospel for the first time. And over 600 DART members have responded. And so we just wanted to say thank you to those who have served and to you for praying and allowing these people to go and help in Jesus' name. But I also want to offer our condolences to those that are listening that have lost a family member, um, that have battled sickness themselves. We are sorry. I know this year has wreaked havoc. My own grandmother died from complications of COVID, and so it's very personal. Um, It has impacted all of us in a a personal way, and so I'm sorry for the loss. Um, But as I just read, um, the Creator of the earth, He never grows faint or weary. And so even though we do— We're sad, we're heartbroken, we're tired of this. Um, Our God does not grow weary, and He can and will use this devastating time to bring bring glory and honor to Him. And so we continue to do that here at Samaritan's Purse. And so we we hope to talk to some of these medical responders again, as now they can look back at this past year and what God's done and the ways that they have grown from it. So be on the lookout for that. And so I encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss um, future episodes that we come out. We're going to talk to nurses and medical staff and just hear from them what they've learned from COVID-19 in this past year. So thank you so much for tuning in. Again, thank you for your prayers and support. We could not go and do this without the body of Christ praying and battling um, with us. 
So thank you for doing your part. Uh, I pray that this blessed encouraged you today and again, just reminded you that God is not weary and tired. Um, he is with us, He is sovereign, and He is in control. And so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us and may God bless your day.